Field and Company NFL insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. Fiery show today. Fiery show, show today. You know, I was just thinking back to what uh, Miles had said many times about the NFL draft. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well. How are you guys? We're good. But that the uh, just covering the NFL draft for months and months and months just drives you nuts. Um, I think Adam and I are pretty much there with the A's to Vegas thing. But it's oh, not yeah. it's not it's not an apathy deal. It's that both of us get so worked up that we just like health wise, it's not good for us. <laughs> well, it worked up how? I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about the NFL, but this is interesting uh, to me. Um because the whole thing is lunacy. The the whole thing of <laughs> of bouncing from site to site, of needing now three hundred ninety five million upwards of five hundred million from an organization that really gives no one in town any confidence that they're actually going to try and spend money and try to win when they get here is just it's it's so crazy. But you don't want to be anti Vegas because you know ultimately it could be good for Vegas and business and jobs and all that. But uh, we just spin ourselves on the ground with frustration. Was it like that in any way with the Raiders? I mean, I, because, totally different. Totally yeah. different. We were but, we I were mean, frustrated that that much public money was going in the deal and that the legislators at the time um, didn't pay attention and really didn't you know, dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure they knew all the details in SB1. Right. But it's also the NFL. And even if the Raiders aren't a great organization, the NFL, I mean, I can't even, what's, what's a number you could put on the NFL coming to Vegas and getting a 65,000 seat stadium versus baseball? I mean, I, I, is, I don't know. Is it 50 times more impactful? 100 more times? Are you asking me or are you asking Adam? I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing it out there for you. I mean, the NFL is just well, gigantic. No, it is. And I mean, from like even a concert venue standpoint, right? I mean, I went to Vegas and I saw the Chili Peppers at Allegiant Stadium. And, you know, would I have been able to do that if the Raiders weren't there? Arguably, the answer is no. So, I mean, that's that's one thing that makes a, a huge, huge impact. I mean, and, you know, covering the team in, in 2019, you know, everything was sort of already settled. Um, by that point. So I didn't really necessarily get that kind of view of it. But it's interesting from the A standpoint, right? I mean, I follow uh, Tim Kawakami and I have for a long time. He's a kind of, I guess we could call him a legendary Bay Area writer for The Athletic. Um, he's written for newspapers up there as well. And, you know, what he's been saying about the A's and potentially coming to Vegas is basically what you guys have just been frustrated by is that even though this looks like it's going to be more of a thing now, right? The A's to Vegas, it's still going to be a process when you're talking about that ownership group and they're still going to be wishy-washy and they're still going to almost try to, you know, mess up the pooch to use a phrase. I think I can actually use on the radio uh, to actually get this thing done. Right. It's just going to be weird. Uh, by the way, we, we talked at the beginning of the show about Pat McAfee joining ESPN and we're hoping he's going to be on ESPN radio. So, I hope in six months you can actually say uh, "f the pooch," like Screw the full the. I know, but I actually want because because he does unfiltered I, radio. He, ESPN's on board. Apparently, Disney's on board, so we can do whatever we want in six months. Well, the mouse, yeah, the mouse is very powerful, so I guess we're going to see, huh? Well, McAfee's very powerful, yeah. so he's going to alter this whole thing. So you mentioned we have to talk football. We do, but the sure. lottery's coming up here. It is. I'm uninterested in the lottery, but yeah, really, yeah, Adam? it just. Eh. I know Adam is it's the biggest draft lottery in history. It's the no, I it's, know. It's, it's it's the second biggest draft lottery. Well, yes, I would no. I mean, I think the biggest draft lottery in history is the one for LeBron James in two thousand and three, yeah. and I believe that's what Steve was just referring to. Yes, I was actually going to be a smartass and say that next year is the biggest 
lottery Ronnie? in history. Yes, because I sent you guys a link <laughs> that uh, NFL, uh, NFL, NBA draft.net has Bronny 46 in the draft. That may be one of the dumbest predictions I've ever seen in my life. Bronny, he can average five points a game. He's a lottery pick because with Bronny, you get LeBron. Yes. He's totally. going, LeBron is going to play with I Bronny. Think, I think it's the other way. I think it'll be the other way around, right? It'll be the Lakers will give up whatever they have to to get the pick. Oh, no, 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 no. No way. Really? No. No, I, I think that LeBron is just going to go. like As long as it's not like Timbuktu somewhere, LeBron will go and play it's gonna with the sun for you. It, he's going to go anywhere. Yeah, it's his son. Yep. No, I know. That's why I think the Lakers will be forced to call whoever has a pick and say, look, we're trading. We want to get Bronny. What do we have to get? All right, the next Anthony five first Davis. round picks. Okay, I guess. So LeBron wants. LeBron's the GM of the team. He's going to trade whatever he has to to get his son. They're not. They're not going to do that. They're not. They're. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I just saw consensus number one pick is Victor Webanyama. He's not my number one pick. Oh, he's not. Okay. This is going to be. So, this is going to be so easy for me to come back on and go. I told you so. That's fine, but he. You can say somebody else would be the pick, but he's right. But the Webanyama's um, the pick. The the team making the pick is making a mistake. There is Why? there is a role of the because he's seven foot five. And they're already having to baby him for that frame. There is a See, really good. There's a really good chance that, like, as good as Joel Embiid is, I'm not even sure Webanyama will be as durable as Embiid. Well, and that's not very Embiid's durable. Not, I was going to say Embiid's not that durable, and Embiid wilts in playoff games, and you know, kind of just got Doc Rivers fired. Although Doc Rivers, I heard the stat today, and I didn't realize this. Doc Rivers has lost seven, or excuse me, ten game sevens in his career. How is that possible? Oh my gosh, that's crazy! And I mean, I, I'm sure you guys, like I did, thought he was going to get fired. You've you've gone as far as you can go if you're the 76ers with him as your head coach. But oh my goodness, that is awful. Apparently, we're not watching it, but I just saw a tweet by the way to jump back to it that Woj just said on the air that Wimbenyama is a better prospect at this point than LeBron. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I think that's BS. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm could, sure that's not his. Opinion. No, um, that's amazingly, amazingly fascinating prospect at seven five who can play small forward and and yeah. watching the highlights of him. It, I mean, it really is like a ping pong ball in his hand. It's it's nuts. Uh, it but is. there is going to be there's going to be a durability issue. Like how big can human beings get and still survive the rigors of 100 NBA games if they're going to be successful going into the playoffs and winning championships? Exactly. All right. Little NFL. Lots of NFL, actually. Lots of NFL. Okay. I know. I know Adam's dying to get to uh, Tom Brady dating rumors, but uh <laughs> Uh, that's the most important story of the day. But um, Adam also, and I want to see what Miles has to say on this. What exactly is Devontae Adams talking about with this whole Rodgers thing and legacy and being oh, legit? I don't know. I was hoping it was a podcast because I saw that you know Devontae had made some comments, and I was like, oh, i got to listen to this podcast and get the full context of what he said. Uh, but there are some pretty interesting quotes. Um, he talked about how he had never cared about making All-Pro until this season, this past season, because he wanted to prove – that he could do it without Aaron Rodgers. That's a big takeaway. He also talks about fear, like being driven by fear of not being the best player anymore and the fear of one day turning on a college prospect tape and saying, oh, no, this kid's better than me. This sucks. And driven by that. But obviously the thing that people are going to take away the most is where he talks about having some reservations about the Raiders' vision for the, for the offense. Uh, he said, quote, the front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. Now, what was the question? Why did he bring that up? 
I think these are very, very important questions to ask when you see quotes like this, Miles. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you. And that's why I, I kind of wish there was a podcast too. And, you know, just as a content strategy in like my mind, I like, you know, you have the written word, you've got video and then you got podcasts. So you can hear that whole interview and you can hear the whole context of it, but that's not necessarily the same thing that everybody else thinks. Um, so yeah, anytime you hear uh, the team's best offensive player, which I mean, you could say that it's Devonte Adams or you could say it's Josh J. Jacobs, but it, the one that's under contract right now is Devontae Adams. And that player is saying, yeah, the team and I don't see eye to eye on what we should be doing right now. That's a concern. And I mean, I don't necessarily know if that's going to mean that Devontae Adams is going to half-ass whatever he's going to do when he's on the field. I frankly don't think that based on what I have seen from out of Devontae Adams' entire career. Um, but when he went to the Raiders and he wanted to go to the Raiders because his college quarterback was on the Raiders and the Raiders made the determination that his college quarterback, Derek Carr, was no longer the right quarterback for that team. And now they've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, has won games, but he's also an injury prone quarterback. Um, I can understand why Devontae Adams would have some reservations about that because he's been in a situation for most of his career where his team was winning and his team was competing for championships. And now that is just not really going to happen for him in 2023, especially considering the conference that the Raiders are in. It's, it's, I, so I get his, I guess let's call it frustration, um, but we don't really know if he said the, the quote in a frustrated <laughs> tone, if that makes sense. Interesting to also note that he did in this interview confirm that he did work behind the scenes to try to get Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas, and he failed which I also think is interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised by that. I don't think anybody is, but interesting that he would say it. Certainly interesting that he would say it. Um, I mean, that he would admit it now, right? I, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers had much interest in going to the Raiders. I think the fact that <laughs> the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett so that they could lure Aaron Rodgers to their franchise, which is the second consecutive year a franchise has hired Nathaniel Hackett with the hopes of luring Aaron Rodgers to their franchise, at least the second time it worked. Um, like, I, I think that it was always going to be the Jets or, or probably nothing um, for him. I mean, despite the fact that, yeah, there were all those Raiders rumors and, you know, he was talking about the Raiders, the golf tournament and all those different types of things. Um, I think if they could, if the Packers could have found a way to send him to the 49ers, that also would have been one where he would have been excited to go to. Um, but I don't think that that ever would have happened. And frankly, I think the way the 49ers have constructed their team, they like having the cheap quarterback that can basically get things done despite the fact that uh, they're cheap, right? I mean, you know, um, what's his name? Brock Purdy is one of the cheapest quarterbacks that you could ever have in the history of the NFL, basically, because, I mean, you know, given inflation, whatever, but like based on where he was drafted. So for the next year or two, you can't even um, sign him to an extension. And so you got Trey Lance also on the rookie deal. Sam Darnold stinks, so he's on a cheap contract too. So it's just a matter of roster construction. So that's kind of the only two teams that I think would have really fit for Rodgers in the first place. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, joining us uh, now. And Peacock all over the place. You can find him everywhere. Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. Uh, oh, wait. I got to jump in because you, you just gave Peacock the mention. So did, I see. The, nice segue. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm I, Team Peacock. I, I see the tweets yesterday from Schefter at like 4.30 our time about something with the, the, you know, the Peacock exclusive game. I'm not anti-Peacock, but I made the Thank decision you. with 90 minutes left in the show. 
I'm like, I'm not doing this clickbait, this anger. Where do I watch it on TV? I'm not doing any. I will not do it, but I'll let you guys do it. What do you think of the reaction to that, Miles? That and, and you know what? Explain what's happening. That's the first thing. Explain what's happening where the NFL is going to have this game on Peacock. Yeah, sure. So it is the second uh, playoff game that's going to be on Wild Card Weekend, the night game. So, you know, like the the Jaguars Invitational probably or, you know, one of, maybe an NFC game between two teams that you're kind of like, eh, well, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be that. I mean, like, look, the matchup's going to be really good anyway. It's a playoff game, right? But I think one of the things that the NFL is doing is preparing for the future by getting things done in the present. I mean, they've already gone to streaming for Thursday night football with Amazon prime. So you can't just say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that the NFL would go to a streaming game. They're basically going to do a dry run with something like this. And I, it, it's the uh, weekend of Christmas and forgive me. I don't know quite what week it is, but it's going to be um, the chargers playing the bills. And that game is going to be exclusively on Peacock from here in Los Angeles at SoFi stadium. And so it's going to be one of those things where look, you go to Peacock and you click on the app and it's going to be right there for you. It's basically just going to be like, it's going to be just like watching Sunday night football, but it's going to be on a streaming service. And, and I think when you look at what the NFL is doing in terms of going to streaming for something like Sunday ticket, right? That's on YouTube. It's going to be on YouTube TV. The future is here already when it comes to uh, the NFL wanting folks to watch games or I guess allowing folks to watch games specifically on a streaming platform. Like that's just going to be the way of the world probably in 10 years. Right. I mean, whether the cable companies adapt to that with just purely streaming or not, I, I don't know. But I think based on all of that, you have this playoff game. People are going to be able to find it. People are going to be able to watch it. And I think that it's the NFL kind of going to a sort of hybrid system where it's, look, we know that people have over-the-air TV still, but a substantial number of people, I believe, have streaming services to watch their cable and to watch the NFL already. Like, I have YouTube TV, right? I mean, that's just the way the world is going to continue to, to move into um, so yeah, I think that that's what the NFL is doing. And frankly, as an NBC universal employee, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be awesome. Miles Simmons halftime shows. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah. Oh, I, that's I think un that that's it's, unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I know. I think it's still going to be your, your regular NBC studio crew, but who knows? I mean, if they, hey, they uh, could Boston, have alternative if streams. yeah, they could have alternative streams like they do for other big events and you could, you could that's host true. one. Yeah, yeah, I guess they, I, I guess I could. There's anybody here for listening. Out there. And yeah. if you get Peacock, you get NFL and The Office, and you can watch you, Miles. You do. You get the you get the NFL. You get The Office. You get the Premier League. This is also one of the this, things that I think is important to point out as this turns into a Peacock infomercial. The really NBC good. has a lot of experience doing live sports, so it's not going to be amateur hour for a playoff game. All right, it's going to be the mm -hmm. NBC broadcast that you are used to seeing, and it's just going to be streaming online. Clearly a shot at Nickelodeon. I like it. Uh, and <laughs> no, 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 no. It was not a shot at any other network. It was just, it was it more was. just a statement of fact. And no, of course, no, 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 no. Of course, I it won't was. let you do that. And the Raiders are on a Nickelodeon game this year. So everybody's very excited about that. Uh, look, Miles, this show is. There, a, wait, what? Yeah. Slime Raiders time, have, baby. Yeah, Raiders have a slime time game. Really? Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Uh, and Miles, I, I this is a this is an infomercial for Peacock, even when you're not on. I am the biggest advocate of Peacock ever as a Premier League fan that's also obsessed with The Office and, you know, watching Miles Simmons on TV every once in a while. Uh, I, I love Peacock, so uh, I'm all in. I can't wait for that game. 
uh, doesn't bother me. It does bother me that there are dating rumors involving Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian. Are you in? Is this a thing? I think that this is weird. I mean, you know, well, where is this coming from? It's like he's moving to his neighborhood. I know, but like, do these people really need more clout from each other? I mean, like, that's why Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian had their whole little thing initially, right? For the clout. I just does Tom Brady need clout? He's Tom Brady. She's I mean, Kim it, Kardashian. I don't I don't really get it, but you know, hey, the heart wants what the heart wants, I guess. I think it makes him cooler. He's would, kind would of a nerd. Be- well, let's put it this way: Would who would you rather see Kim Kardashian with, Tom Brady or Josh Allen? <laughs> Brady, Brady for sure. She deserves classy. Oh Josh Allen. Oh, we're not going to get. We did this when Steve wasn't here. We're not going to get into it again. He's got somebody, I think. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not up on the latest. He's. He's got. A, he could have a kid to raise, Miles. Right. So we Good. Got, Allegedly. It's, it's very important. It's very important stuff. Why do you do this? <laughs> what? Because now I have to ask what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, it's a, I'll tell you. We did it on the air last okay. week. We don't do it on the we air. We did. Again. You weren't here. Yeah. It's a whole thing. A whole thing. It, it, it does explain why Stefan Diggs was mad during the playoff game, though. That's a whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, last one. We got a minute. Um, okay. Miles, would you sign the punt god? Would you sign Matt Ariza? I wouldn't. He's a punter. It's not worth it to me. <laughs> but he's a really, I, I, like, he could be the best punter ever. I don't care. I mean, if like if you have the best punter ever, and you that means that your offense kind of sucks because you've got the best punter because you need the punter to be the punter all the time. Like, uh-uh. still, he can still be a weapon if he's averaging you know fifty three a punt with you know a net of fifty one and a half. Yeah, but you know what? There's some stuff, and obviously he's not going to be criminally charged, and that's that is what it is. But there's still some unresolved things based on what I have read um, lately coming out of that, and you know I, I'm just not. It's not worth it for me for a punter, you know, production equals tolerance in the NFL. And I get that, but as a punter, there, there are enough people that can punt. And usually when you're punting, something bad happens. So fix your offense first. Pro football talk and miles a Simmons up on Twitter. Miles, we're going to let you go. Draft lottery starting. Turn it on right now. We'll see you. All right, here we go. Miles Simmons, pro football talk. The draft lottery is beginning. We'll have an update on the way back. Uh, Come on, get that number one pick. Let's go select Scoot Henderson or, or Brandon Miller, by the way, Brandon Miller after Webb and Yama. Any flashbacks for anyone with uh, Zion and Ja? Cofield and Company is live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers at 702-766-1400. All right, here we go. Lottery playing out. Ah, no Blazers. Fourth pick, Rockets. Third pick, Blazers. It's between Hornets and the Spurs for Victor Webb and Yama. And the Spurs get him. Don't punch the table, sir. Don't do a Dave DeBusher. We know the envelope is frozen and they want to get San Antonio Webanyama. So there you go. Even though I was uh, casting some doubt on Victor Webanyama, his story and following this is going to be fascinating. If people don't know who he is, uh, Frenchman, seven foot five with small forward guard skills. Yeah. Long, long as hell. He probably play one if he wants to. And the Spurs don't exactly have a history with, you know, European players or anything. They'll figure it out. And Popovich, by the way, this is bad news for Becky Hammond, probably. Popovich is never going to retire. <laughs> like, why would he? I'm going to do this, yeah. Why, why would he? Webinyama. So the two best players in the draft, Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, in all likelihood. And I keep saying it, I'm busting chops. But we could see Webinyama go number one. And 
Brandon Miller go number two. And you remember what we said at the time, both of us agreed in January, there's no other radio show in the country, provide the audio or else. There's no other radio show in the country who told you in January of that year, that college basketball season, that John Morant was a better prospect than Zion Williamson. I remember arguing with Big Mac about this. Now, as it turns out, Ja might have some character issues. Maybe. Uh, what did Brandon Miller get in trouble for at Alabama? Uh, Brent, well, providing a gun, mm -hmm. but unknowingly, maybe. So if John Morant gets, say, a 50-game suspension from the NBA, will the NBA suspend Brandon Miller before he comes in the league? We got to make up for what Alabama didn't do. They let you play, you're suspended. We don't like guns. Be consistent. Well, there is some debate as to whether he even knew there was a gun. Of course. Yeah. A little different. Well, there's certainly a debate over whether he knew what the gun was going to be used for. Sure. But sure. still, comes from a weird culture, weird community, which, by the way, it didn't get much attention, but you do know that Alabama had another transfer coming in this who had committed who was involved with a gun in Tuscaloosa. So so the story is Webanyama, who we've all been waiting on to see where he's going to land. He's a very, uh, I was going to say coddled, but very cared for prospect by his handlers in Europe, in France. Well, now he's coming stateside. And now the bidding war is going to begin. This is another thing to follow. The bidding war for partnerships with him and a shoe deal is going to be off the charts because the the possibility of someone seven foot five coming into the NBA and being able to play on the perimeter and be the franchise now in San Antonio, there, there's so much value in this kid. It's crazy. There is, although San Antonio, San Antonio doesn't help. It's not that it's not, you know, does it matter in the NBA? It does. It does. It does. Yeah, for sure. How it does. LeBron was in Cleveland. Yeah. Giannis is in Milwaukee. Giannis isn't as big a star as he should be. I don't think. All right. Well, San Antonio wins the lottery. They get the number one pick. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co or at ESPN Las Vegas. So the NBA lottery just finished up and Victor Webanyama, the, uh, the freak who's seven foot five and can play small forward appears to be going to the San Antonio Spurs. I want to get back to hockey here. Art Ocal is with us, of course, from ESPN and in the crease and, uh, Piled up with a guy covering MMA in the past. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good, Steve. You and I go way back, man. I think, yeah. like, what was it, Hardcore Sports Radio from decades ago? Yes. Uh, long doing, time, long doing time ago. MMA content and fight content there. What a, what a trip, man. Good to talk to you. I know, guys. right? I'm glad you're doing well. I was just asking Adam. Adam Hill is here. I was just asking Adam yeah. uh, about the uh, the NBA and and Webanyama and, you know, this just like a freakish-sized dude at seven foot five who can play Small forward. What what would be the equivalent in the NHL? Would it be like Wayne Gretzky if he was six six and two sixty, like a prospect like that? Like I like what would be what would be amazing like size speed combination to come to the NHL and potentially be a number one pick. The the first name that comes to mind is Tage Thompson with the Buffalo Sabers. He's like six six two thirty, and he has like silky mitts, uh, like a Johnny Goudreau type. You know, like he just like scores these incredible goals that you would expect like a diminutive talented player to score. Like he, he skates like he's a small player, but he's a giant on the ice. 
and he's got some incredible talent. So the fir- that's the first name that came to mind is Tage Thompson. What is Connor Bedard expected to be? A generational player. He's expected to be, he's, he, by all accounts, he's been described as the best prospect since Sidney Crosby, uh, which is high praise, uh, and in terms of all-around game. Uh, does he reach the levels of uh, Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid? Obviously, that remains to be seen, but uh, he certainly has that cachet. And the funny thing is, Adam Fantilli, who's scheduled to, or uh, will probably go number two in the draft to the Anaheim Ducks, in many other years, he would be number one overall because he's also that good. But Connor Bedard is just on a whole other level. He's in that stratosphere when you're talking about the Crosbys and the McDavid's. So, uh, yeah, he, he has all the markings to be a generational player, and he's been absolutely lighting it up in the Western Hockey League, especially in the playoffs. The way that he scores is just unbelievable. Are you on team lottery was fixed, or are you good with how, how it was handled? I don't think the lottery is fixed. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of checks and balances there. I actually would love to see the 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 the, the lottery ball process. You know what yep. I mean? Like I would love to. I know that there's like reporters in the room and and whatnot, but I would love as a as a viewer. I think that would be entertaining for me to watch that process unfold. If they were to make that into television, I think it'd be compelling. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the more minority on that. Uh nope, you're. That's exactly what we talked about. Why, why, Adam, everyone, you said, everyone wants the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Adam, you said watching it, it, it seemed weird. Uh, it was the lottery it, to Chicago. It, it's not weird. It's weird if you if you want it to be weird. Okay. It's not, but the like obviously the production knows before they announce it what's right, going on, right, right. and so yeah, it, it became weird because of that, and people freaked out about it. But as we're suggesting, there's a way to fix it. Just show the process. Right. Like, what's the problem? Okay, you don't want to show it on network TV? There's a thousand streaming options. Just stream it live somewhere. We can watch it if you really want to. And if not, you can wait and find out on the lottery. But uh, it is what it is. We're much more excited right now about what's actually going to happen on the ice. So uh, initial thoughts right off the bat, Golden Knights and Dallas Stars, the Pete DeBoer revenge series. This should be fun. Yeah, Pete DeBoer has a, has a great coaching style. I love the stat that he's now 7-0 and in Game 7 like by far the best for a coach in NHL history. He just doesn't lose in Game 7. And now he gets a chance for the revenge, like you said. Uh, and, and, and his team uh, plays very similar to when he was coaching in Vegas, right? So he, there, there's a good thread there. So like Vegas fans watching Dallas in this series, if they didn't watch a lot of Dallas Stars hockey this year, uh, will see some earmarks and see some cues from when Pete DeBoer was coaching Vegas. So uh, they'll notice a lot of the trends, a lot of the oh, uh, pressure in the defensive zone and getting the puck out as quickly as possible, things like that. Uh, there's a lot of great storylines in this one, obviously. Um, you know, Jason Robertson, he's had an up-and-down playoffs, but then you have two players like Joe Pavelski that are just, like, lighting it up and having a fantastic, you know, final... final could it be the last hurrah? Who knows? But he's just, like, lighting it up. And a player like Jack Eichels in his first postseason, remarkably, you know, all the saga that we know, obviously, by now with Buffalo and coming to Vegas and how this team has been able to, uh, you know, get through each round. And it's been impressive. And especially with the goaltending as a question mark, right? Like, at the beginning of the season, I remember this clearly, my leader for Rookie of the Year was Logan Thompson. Like, before, before, the, before game one, I was like, man, if Logan Thompson has a good year, if Vegas makes the playoffs, like this guy's probably going to be like leading candidate for rookie of the year. Like that seems like a lifetime ago now. Like with all the goaltending 
you know, news and, and, and shifts that have happened with Vegas. And if Aiden Hill continues the way that he is, like, this is a very difficult team to stop. So what do you think about what they put together with the, the goaltenders with Brassois? Uh, and you know Hill was what he got. You know he was uh, picked up for a fourth round pick. I mean, what do you think of the job management did in cobbling together this depth at the goalie position? That's that's impressive. That's incredible, isn't it? A fourth round pick from San Jose, like just unbelievable. Uh, sometimes how things uh, shake out the way that they do. And yeah, and you even get Jonathan Quick at the trade deadline, right? Like you have a a, a legendary Stanley Cup winning goaltender that's uh, currently playing backup and. You have other uh, goaltenders in the pipeline that either either injured or you know looking to get back, whatever the case may be. Like I guess in a way it's an embarrassment of riches, but like to me, like I, I think this is uh, any hockey fan knows this. For me, it comes down to the goaltending position and how good your goaltender is. That was Edmonton's downfall, Toronto in in a sense as well. Like obviously you can point to stars not showing up at right times. Leon Drysaitel was very quiet. The second half of the series with Vegas, similar Austin Matthews against Florida. So you can certainly point to that. But if your goaltending is not, at the very least, slightly above average in the postseason, that's going to cause you a lot of problems because the game is much different, as people know. And Vegas has been benefiting from great goaltending, particularly from Aiden Hill, even if it wasn't expected at this juncture. But Dallas has a fantastic goaltender in their own right, uh, Jake Ottinger's perhaps the best goaltender remaining. I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be a very interesting series. Art Ocal's with us from ESPN in the crease. Our uh, night's conversations, our experts, all brought to you by our good friends at Finley Cadillac. So for you and watching the Knights, who do you think has kind of been the linchpin, or is it hard to name because this team is just so deep? Who's been the most impressive guy on the team through the playoffs so far? There's been a couple. I mean, Jack Eichel's like uh, come to play, right? Like he's got 14 points. He's uh, he's he's been as advertised. He's been exactly what you would want from a star player. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau has been terrific. Had a natural hat trick in the game in the uh, clincher, uh, which is remarkable. Uh, he's been all over the ice, and he leads the um, he leads the team, and he's among the best in shot attempt differential. So he so the team is taking a lot more shots whether they reach the net or not, when he's on the ice as opposed to when he's not on the ice. And that's really good because he's just he's there generating chances. He's there doing things off, and off the puck that not a lot, maybe people aren't fixated on or focusing on necessarily. So he's been terrific. And again, the goaltending has been there too because that's extremely important. And they've been getting it at all ends of the ice from all sides of the ice, and their, and their defensive pairings have been terrific, too. I mean, you have a guy like Alec Martinez. He's plus eight. He only has two penalty minutes. He's playing almost 20 minutes a game. Like, you're getting really good contributions, solid, valuable contributions from many players in this lineup. Uh, that obviously has been the key. The depth has been very impressive for the Golden Knights. I will say uh, one player, and Bruce Cassidy kind of called him out a little bit, uh, that hasn't been at his best and he missed a lot of time with injury and hasn't got back is Shea Theodore. And if he could somehow find a way to get his game back, this team becomes all that more dangerous. W what have you seen maybe out of him? Yeah, certainly like, you know, when you come back from injury, when you, when you have things that are going on that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, as, 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 as a hundred percent known as you might be, it, it reminds me, I mean, I, I don't uh, know exactly what's going on, but I will say that, uh, 
you know, oftentimes when a team gets eliminated, you you hear about, oh, th- this was ailing me, this was happening, whatever the case may be. So could there be something like that happening? We're, we're not sure. But uh, certainly, I will say this. In talking with a lot of coaches, uh, I will say that when a coach calls out a player specifically, that is a calculated move. That is not done haphazardly. That is certainly done with the intention of, spurring the player, but it was also deemed to be the right action to take at that time. So maybe there were private conversations had, the right result didn't happen, and so this was the next logical progressive step in order to get the player to, you know, uh, to, t- to try and unlock the player as much as possible. So to me, this is just a, a calculated veteran coaching move to, 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 to try and get the most out of the player. Uh, but with that said, the fact that you know, if, it's, if it's one or two players needing to fine-tune or stepping up, oftentimes you will focus on the star players not focusing as much or players that you would expect to do more not getting the results that you want, but then you're getting the depth players that are really stepping up. So it's, it's, it's a good problem to have in a sense because Vegas has so many good things going for them right now. On the other side, it sounds like, you know, now that Edmonton's out, uh, you know, we're focused on going forward, but with Edmonton in their situation, their really only real option right now is just to kind of run it back. Is that the right move? Do they have to make drastic changes? Is Connor McDavid potentially available if somebody wants to throw a big offer at them? That would be, I mean, listen, Gretzky got traded. That's always the thing that's mentioned, <laughs> right? If Gretzky can get traded, anyone can get traded. To me, it's, it, it starts with goaltending. Uh, they have to make, they have to take a long, hard look at the tandem of Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. Are they the right to, to continue on? Is uh, are they in need of an upgrade or a change? I should say a change between the pipes in Edmonton. You have two of the best players in the world. You have by far the best player hockey player in the world, right? And in my opinion, if that player does not raise Stanley Cup in his career, it would be a travesty. Wherever it is, Edmonton, otherwise, whatever. If that player, Connor McDavid, the human being, is not raising Lord Stanley's mug, mug, mug at some point in his career that would be a disservice to the sport and a travesty. And so, obviously, hockey is a team game. One player alone cannot do it, even though on many nights, Connor McDavid has put the team on his back. Uh, But they have to look at secondary contributions as well. Uh, Some players underperform. To to your point about underperforming players, Vander Kane didn't have the best playoffs. There were other players that you could point to on that team and say, where were the contributions there? You know, McDavid and Dreisaitl certainly had games that they would want back as well. Dreisaitl, we just mentioned it in the second half of the series with Vegas as well. But to, to run it back with, with uh, the majority of the pieces, absolutely. But it really just goes to show you how little, the like getting in anywhere, one or eight after the regular season, look at what, look at what Florida's doing, right? Like, you get hot at the right time. Your team clicks at the right time. You have a chip on your shoulder. You're playing playoff hockey for maybe 10 to 20 extra games more than other teams who are coasting into the playoffs because they did all their heavy lifting in the first half of the season, and all of a sudden you're a more cohesive unit, and all of a sudden you're ousting these teams. And so 99, you play a series 100 times, the Edmonton Oilers should win many of those series against many teams in the league, right? But that's hockey. Hard to tell people in Vegas uh, about ESPN's coverage the rest of the way, especially within the crease. Yeah, so in the creases, every night there's a game on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, if that's the case, every single night of the regular season and playoffs. Uh, so that includes the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we have our conference final coverage. It will be 
uh, Vegas and Dallas. That begins on Friday, 8.30 Eastern start. And uh, that will be our series. So you will look forward to watching uh, those games on the ESPN family of networks. Uh, and, of course, The Points, which is on every single day. Uh, that is a um, roundtable of our guests and analysts uh, and hosts as well. So, yeah, lots of coverage from us on ESPN. Uh, thanks for asking. Before we let you go, uh, I want to concentrate on Vegas from this standpoint, and that's the ownership standpoint. Uh, people here will not go to games if the organizations are not good. And the Raiders are a different case because it's the NFL and we can get 70% tourists in the building. But Bill Foley has kind of set the scene here now, the standard. And the Las Vegas Aces have had a follow. They go and and grab stars. Um, I don't know if you follow the story with the A's trying to come to Vegas, which is very difficult for us to embrace because if the A's come here and they don't win, it's not going to go well for them after the honeymoon period. And this is all a setup to discuss Ottawa. Who needs to buy Ottawa? What ownership group? Because I saw the Ryan Reynolds group dropped out. I'm not sure if they're out completely out, but who needs to own Ottawa? I mean, my first answer would have been Ryan Reynolds. He would have been an absolutely fantastic owner for the National Hockey League. Uh, as far as I know, what I've read in uh, reports online, uh, him and the Remington group who came together to try and put in a bid. And first of all, Ryan Reynolds spent time in Ottawa. So he's, he, he has spent a part of his life growing up in Ottawa. So he knows the place. Uh, he grew up in Canada, obviously. Uh, and he has expressed interest in buying the team previously before all of the all of this spotlight has been put on uh, the sale. So, and we all know what he did with Wrexham, like with the, the content machine that it's become and the spotlight. Uh, I mean, I, I know people in Wrexham, and they say that like it's become a tourist attraction. It's become a destination place. Like the games are sold out, but people come to the town now just to discover it and, and as a vacation spot because of what Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney have been able to do with that team and the city and the community, what they've done. And honestly, the NHL as a whole would have benefited overall from that kind of uh, Midas touch that Ryan Reynolds would have brought to the Senators. So to me, that would have been the first thing. Apparently, they wanted an exclusive negotiating window, according to reports online. They weren't offered that. Ryan Reynolds and team got frustrated, so now they're no longer involved. That's, that's what uh, is, is the reporting online. So the next, then you look at the other celebrities involved, the weekends involved, Snoop Dogg's involved. Now, one thing I do like about Snoop Dogg and the uh, Nico Sparks group is they have a lot of ducks in a row. And also, apparently, um, the Senators would include equity for First Nations if that team wins, if the Snoop Dogg-involved uh, bid wins. So that would be a really good uh, touch for the community and a really good community act uh, uh, based on that team. But you and I, we, we all know, at the end of the day, it's really going to come to dollars and cents. It's really going to come to, if no matter how much goodwill is put to the community, if one bid is uh, highly outweighing another in terms of dollar figure, well, they're probably going to be in the lead and win. And even if you go back to the other ones and say, hey, this is the dollar figure now, and they say, no, you don't have the money to do it, eventually that very well might be what it comes down to, but... You know, there's a lot of interest for this team, and it could exceed a billion dollars with a B. So we'll see where it goes. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. There he is. Arto Cal, host of In the Crease. Lots of the hockey coverage on ESPN. We're going to get out to the Lakers game here in a matter of minutes. They've uh, just tipped off, but we'll close out on the way back with a controversy in Toronto with the Blue Jays announcers uh, accusing Aaron Judge of cheating. 
Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Alerts for housing the show today at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. You can call Justin and Matt and the crew at Battleborn at 766-1400. The number is good from anywhere in the state of Nevada. And now they have offices in Henderson, right here in Vegas, where we are, and in Reno, 766-1400. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So I watched the highlights of the Blue Jays crew, the announce crew, thinking they were catching something with Aaron Judge looking at the dugout. You know what they did? They caught something. You know what he was doing? They were stealing signs. And Aaron Judge today, trying to cover for the whole thing, was like, well, there was something going on in the dugout, and I just wanted to hit. And his explanation was was bizarre. Uh, but I will say, Aaron Judge can toe the company line. He actually did play the good soldier while all that stuff was going on with his contract. But it is completely ridiculous for anyone to buy. And I heard uh, Ian Fitzsimmons, and I'm not sure who was doing the show with him today, they made this whole case that, oh, no, Aaron Judge was really mad at the dugout and wanted them to shut up so he could hit. He's peeking to the dugout because they're stealing signs. And you know what? That's a violation of nothing. Well, that's part of the game. If you're doing it through illegal means, right. that's the, that's if, the you've, if you've got some system set up, how you would do that on the road, I'm not sure. But if you're stealing signs in traditional fashion because the pitcher is tipping, then that's part of the game. And they clearly were doing that. That's why he was in coy fashion trying to look quickly at the dugout. It's obvious what they were doing. That that's the difference. Were, were they using something or not? And yeah, clearly they were stealing signs. Was it was it nefarious and electronic or some system, or was it just standard? And By the it way, sounds it, like. And and I think I think I saw the explanation. Will Middlebrooks laid it out pretty well today. What did he say? Uh, he said the first base coach was doing it, and that he was looking at the first base coach, which makes a lot of sense. And right. that uh, it's because the stance of the catcher was way too wide. Okay. And they made it too easy, and that's what happened, which is completely fine. Now tonight, Yankees got caught with the pitcher. With the foreign substance so that's not that's, that's not, not allowed no, it's not. so i mean there's things going on for sure but right. there is a difference when people are like that's what the astros did no the astros did it electronically which is illegal it's not illegal to try to steal signs so that's the difference why do you think in the nfl so many coaches are lunatics and have the freaking plastic shield in front of their face that's how neurotic they are about it yeah yeah and, Again, and I mean, I the, hate to say it, but the, they put the play if, sheet in front if, of their if face. You ain't, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And honestly, if the first base coach, if they didn't have, if every team doesn't have some sort of system to take advantage of stupid tells by the other team, then that staff should be fired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, and it was clear, right? Judge Judge does one of the final peaks and just annihilates a ball 442 feet. Yeah, no question. And again, look, if you go back and look at the the sequence of pitches and how it played out. Uh, there was a, a wicked-ass slider was coming. that anyone was swung at, and he's just like, yeah. nope. And he knew it was coming, and he hung it, and he crushed it. Like that's, But that's what happens. You're allowed to steal signs. You're just not allowed to do it electronically. I didn't get to see the story about the illegal substance, though. Yeah. Okay. Herman, uh, automatic 10-game suspension. Well, he's a good guy. He's always on the up and up. Exactly. <laughs> Solid citizen. <laughs> Your pick for Lakers Nuggets for the series? Oh, no. Oh, no. Just us. New story. Uh, Nuggets. Never ends. Nuggets Celtics. You going with the Nuggets? I'm going Lakers Celtics in the final. I really want to see that. I want to see LeBron make the finals, go 11-1 and in the conference finals, and potentially get another title. Tomorrow, we're at Team Chevy. And Road N95 coming out. Great prizes going out.